welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. There's, um, there's just a shift that we're involved in right now. I just love how the Holy Spirit enjoys the movement of the mature believer. You know, I was reading today and... Um, I was reading today in Hebrews 10, and it's interesting that one of the little commentaries said that Jesus brought his own blood. And I thought about that for a minute. And, you know, it it talks about down there that... um, It says that multiple um, offerings were not what he desired. And it said that it, that multiple offerings weren't, wouldn't satisfy his justice. But, you know, Jesus said, so he said, God, I'll be the one. I was telling Chidi, I said, think about um, all the books in heaven because it said that I'll be the one and it says I'll fulfill everything that was written about me and so just for a minute just close your eyes and look at the book of you in heaven that's that's really tonight what you want to say to him is I'll be the one and I'll fulfill everything that is written about me. You know, I was thinking, Cece's going to come tonight and bring, <laughs> she's really going to come too, and bring this prophetic word that she had a, I, I'm calling it a trance today, a holy supernatural trance. You know, she's been praying, she's been asking God for more encounters with Him, so... But I was thinking that when I was reading the scripture today, I was thinking about her and I was thinking about you. And, you know, we've all had a different journey. You know, she was 40 when when everything that she had been looking for, she found it. You know, she's a searcher. And so then instead of searching for God, from 40 on, she searched for what he had to say. The first 40 years was just trying to find him. And I just, I really want to honor her tonight because I know her journey well. But, you know, she's just, a, she's just a forerunner. You know, when she's dead and gone, then y'all are going to have to keep running. Not that she's dying anytime soon, but my point is that a forerunner makes it easier for you and I just want to say that that I know that about her that everything in her says that I'll be the one not anybody in my family was the one 
but I'll be that one that goes and fulfills everything that you've written about me. And so I just, I lost my music. Did it go away? It just got real quiet, didn't it? But I just wanted to pray over us, and then I wanted to let Tessa read a word that she just wrote tonight because it goes along so well with what Cece's going to say. And, you know, I remember when I was a little girl and I would do puzzles all the time. I did those those 200-piece puzzles, you know, with the big pieces. But then I graduated, kept going up and... Now I've got those thousand piece puzzles, you know, of all. We did one one time that was just a fade of colors across. It took months to do it. And I kind of look at that as a good representation of what we're doing right now. Is we're um, collecting pieces and the size of the picture is getting bigger because because we're going up a little bit we don't need everybody to hold our hand and i will say that this is a really really deep word and i i i wish that everybody was going to get it but i think the meaning is hidden within the context of this vision that she had today and so I just I wanted to just set us up good you know within our own hearts that that he has something he wants you to see tonight in a new way I wanted to play this little song because I, I would say this is probably Cece's theme song is hope has come because that's the one thing she needed was hope and now I see. And so I know that that what she receives is a gift to you. And I wanted us to just pray over our own hearts and over our neighbor's heart. So why don't you take the hand of your those standing beside you and just act like tonight's their night. Tonight is a breakthrough moment for them. And just, let's just break off any torment from today. I propose that the distraction of today is a level of increase is going to give you tonight. So just pray for who's standing there beside you and just intercede for them for a second. Papa, just release your power right now in this room. Just over us as a tribe right now, just release your power, your anointing to hear and to see. I just release your goodness over us. Just speak that over them, that they're going to be the one to go and do your will to fill all that is written about them in all those books in heaven. <laughs> Just think what it would be like to fulfill what he put you here for.
Tessa to read this word she wrote, I guess, during prayer today, right? like Jesus gave birth to us through his side, called upon by his bride because of great need, there will be a new wave, a birth from the Spirit himself. There is a new birth, a new wave being birthed. A movement is born from the children who are awake. The same Father who gave new birth through Jesus because of need now gives new birth by the Spirit because of purpose. Once born children become twice born men and women. First born from the side of Jesus now born by the Spirit to walk in the purpose of the Father. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready for the move. Get ready for the move of the one. Lean in. Throw off the lies. Lean in and learn to dine. Lean in, lean in, lean in, lean in. Throw off all that causes retreat and declare, there is no retreat in me. Retreat in me. Jesus did the work, the birth made whole in me. Spirit, come, come and breathe your new life in me. New movements, scenery all alight, bright, new, expectant, ready. Deep alignment is coming. Everything in me in sync with the three in one. of Jesus. We believe we've been birthed anew from the side of Jesus. And so we invite you to come, Spirit, with your new birth. We invite you to come birth your movement through us. Come and birth your movement through us, Holy Spirit. Come and birth your movement through us. <laughs> it's a birth a birth that comes from the Spirit Himself. The Spirit Himself is birthing something right now. And so we invite you to come just through these words tonight. We invite you to come and birth something in us. And so right now I just speak ooh, that you've laid the perfect foundation, Jesus. You have laid the perfect foundation and all things will be built on the foundation of you. All things will be built on the foundation of you. All things will be built on the foundation of you. So we 
I speak that foundation is firm, that foundation is steady, that foundation is is solid in us. <laughs> the foundation of Jesus is the perfect foundation for the move of the Spirit. So we invite you, Holy Spirit. We invite you with our whole selves. We invite you with our whole selves. Say, I am a child and I am a man and woman. We are your children and we are men. We are men and women. Being matured by your spirit. To walk in your purpose. So we love you, Daddy. We bless what you're doing in this room tonight with the words that you're going to speak through Christy. Papa, we just thank you in advance right now. You know, Cece had written this word on Saturday that I wanted her to read Sunday, but I just wanted to read this snippet from it. I know that she was in a really big pushback from the enemy about it, but I wanted to what stood out to me in the word was just that he was just changing this system in which we do things and he said this to her in the word that um, won't you allow me to tend to the I think uh, Shoot even talked to me about today about just those fault lines those fractures, fractures within us and won't you allow me to tend to your wounds without you doing a thing? Would you allow me to be the healer I'm said to be? What if I ask you to simply trust me with this? What if I ask you to simply be real with me and stop attempting to lift yourself up, but to simply remain before me in your broken state? Would you give me this gift? Would you give me the chance to demonstrate my goodness, my goodness to you like this? You said so many times that you wanted most of all for your life to be a display for me, for your life to be a canvas for me to paint. If you'll indulge me like this, you'll soon find a place of peace unlike you've ever known. You'll find a place of comfort, of home, despite the wounding of your soul. You've done all you can do to bring the healing that you need. The rest is up to me. Trust me with this. Leave it with me. Leave the burden of your pain with me. Your soul will be restored. Your life resurrected from the place of defeat. You are not wrong to label your heart deceased, but I am the one who resurrects dead things. Trust me when I say there was no power of man in the tomb that day. As a man, Jesus lay completely defeated by death in the grave. The strength of man played no role in his rising. So don't be afraid to admit defeat to me. Don't be afraid to lay yourself at my feet, consumed with your need. Don't resist your need of me. Your hope may have taken a blow, but your faith is still more than enough to come to me. Rest now in the process 
of being real with me. Rest and receive. That's just the place that we need to be at tonight. Just a place of resting and receiving. And whether she read the word or not, it was birthed in us that day. Whether you even heard it, because it's not by my power, it's not by mine, it's by a spirit. So I just release the effects of what faithfulness in you, Papa, will do. And so we just trust you tonight. I just, I just really release us to receive tonight. You know, the last thing I want to leave you with before she comes. You know, Jesus clothed himself in flesh. So, so our humanity is not bad. Or Jesus wouldn't have become a man. You know, if we can just really believe that tonight. That God himself became like us. To win us. To save us. We are worth the cost. You're worth the cost. Humanity isn't a worthless worm. It's an empowered supernatural being assigned by God on earth to display his glory. And so Holy Spirit, fill this humanity to hear tonight. Come on, TC, whoever has ears to hear. Thank you, Tisa. Thank you for reading that word. I needed to hear that over myself. It's really good. That was nourishment to my soul. Well, it's funny how things do start to come into, you know, a clearer view as the days go by, but several things in my encounter with him today, I'm realizing in just the last hour or so are linking back to my time with him on Saturday and the word that she read um, part of. Um, And I'm going to read one other part of it tonight. But I was kind of laughing to myself over there because I remember on Saturday I went to sit outside and, you know, I, I got a new chair to sit in. I had the old chair at the old place, got a new chair and it's a little bit different, you know, it's a little, there's a little more to it. And so I was getting myself all situated and I realized I had this thought, like I need to put on my (laughs) seatbelt. And I sent, I started cracking up because it's like, you know, when when you get in your car and you're on autopilot and I'd kind of reclined and sat back and I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm not in my car right now. And so I actually sent Tisa and Lenny a text cracking up because I just had this thought and I really feel like that was prophetic. <laughs> Buckle up is what he was saying. <laughs> Buckle up, we're you're about to go on a ride. So, and it's just the beginning, I know. It's just the beginning. So, um, gosh, there's so many things. But um, for the last week or so I've had I've not been feeling real good physically and I've not been feeling real good in any way actually emotionally <laughs> you know physically anyway haven't, haven't been feeling great I've had a headache almost all days except one I think and so this morning um, I you know I've just been trying to go and talk to Papa but it's like man I just everything feels like I've got brain fog you know everything feels 
sluggish and I can't think. I can't understand what people are saying and it just doesn't feel good. And so I started texting Tisa this morning just saying, you know, gosh, I just feel so weird. I don't even know what's going on. And and I decided um, in talking with her, um, we had this weird thing happen where she listened to what I said. I typed out all these ways I was feeling and she said, well, that sounds like exactly like how I feel. And she said, like, you just gave words what I've been trying to figure out, you know, how to put my finger on what I've been feeling. And so there was this weird thing that's happened with us before where we kind of hear it's like a sudden in sync moment that if nothing else is a highlight of the Holy Spirit trying to do something, you know, it's like that was it was weird. Like it actually made her feel better for me to describe how I was feeling because it gave words to how she was feeling. And it was just a, just an odd thing. And so it was just enough to make to remind me, okay, just press into what the Holy Spirit is saying right now. And so I texted back, and I actually copied my text here, and I said, I think I'm going to try to just give in. It sounded real pathetic, you know. I'm just going to try to give in and see what he has to say. I don't even know what that means, but ha, 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 you know. <laughs> and she's like, okay, please do. She's like, you know, just yield and listen. You know how to do this. And I texted back and I said, you know what? I'm just going to leave my body and see what I hear. And I've never said that before, but it felt like the most accurate description of what I had the presence of mind to do. And I said, that feels like a better way to say it right now. Instead of leaning in and seeing what I could hear, and I'm like, I'm just going to check out of this body and go see what I can hear. And, and something happened when I said that because it, it triggered uh, an emotional reaction in Tisa too, which I thought it was just being funny, but she felt something on it too. And so I was just, so I just, you know, took my hands off the, the laptop, closed my eyes, put on some soaking music, and I was out like that. I mean, all of this tension I've been feeling in my neck and my shoulders, the headache, this, I, you know, can't even get comfortable sitting up in bed instantly gone. I just was instantly in like a suspended in peace. And I, and it was incredible. And I immediately heard him start speaking and he said, see how easily you were released. He said, do you see how easy it was to lift out of your earthly existence and enter more deeply into my presence? You, my daughter are not made for this world. You are not of this world. There are times I'm calling you up out of your earthly existence. There are times I'm drawing you to my heavenly throne room. Your earthly existence will feel heavy and burdensome in these moments. You will feel disconnected from the natural world and even your natural ways of operating. You do so well to honor me and follow my leading as you walk this earth, but as with all humanity, I move through a filter of your natural man. This is as I intended it, but there are times when I'm calling you to a more pure encounter set apart from your humanity. Your spirit, my child, longs for me in the way that it knows me. Your spirit longs for me in the way it knows me. 
And it was, it reminded me of when I hear, when I've heard Kat Kerr talk about what she has seen in heaven and how we are little spirit beating, beings inside the Father before we come to earth, you know. And it, I'm just reminded of that, like, think of that. We are, we started out with him, you know. So our spirit knows him. Our spirit knows intimacy with him fully. He knows what it's like to be fully just, just in him, you know. And so... I, it, that's what it reminded me of. Your spirit longs for me in the way it knows me. Our spirit hasn't forgotten how it knows him. And he said, your spirit is well aware of your heavenly home, your heavenly place beside my throne. Your spirit needs, and then I just stopped typing, okay? <laughs> and I was like, why am I typing? I'm I'm, you know, because I had kind of gone into this trance and I just came out and started typing everything you were saying. And then I was like, nope, going back in. So I went back in and I began to see all of these different visions. And I don't even know how many, there might be 10 of them here. And that was all I, I, I would just kind of watch for a minute and then I would type this little note to myself and then close my eyes again. And, and I just stayed like that. So I ended up staying in this trance type state for over an hour and I think I moved my leg one time and I'm telling you I couldn't even get comfortable I had all these pillows behind me before I couldn't even get comfortable in the first few minutes but I just stayed there and like I said it was so peaceful and I was just unaware of everything going on in my body and in the natural realm and so I want to share with you the different visions I saw and first I'm just going to just tell you what I saw and then I'm going to go back and share with you what I discovered in the process of searching out the different visions. And then all together, of course, I believe there is a message that he's speaking to us, but I don't know if I have that exact message. And I think it may be, you know, a, a dynamic message that is something that speaks to each of us in a different way. And it may be something that continues to roll out in, in the days to come. That's what I'm finding. There's no no time have, that I've ever shared a word has it not have I not heard more about it yeah. the next day yeah. or the next week, you know. So this is just a beginning a beginning place for us. So the first vision I saw was a floor inside of a square room, and I knew I was in a square room, and there was a door over here, and then the floor began to spin. Okay, it began to spin, and then after a while, it kind of was doing this wavy thing. And then after a while, it began to tilt and turn in different directions like that. And it seemed like I was in the center of the floor. And then I saw this strong man like Atlas from Greek mythology, if you know who that is. We'll talk more about him in a minute. But I saw this strong man lifting the floor up from underneath. And he was kneeling down, and he had the floor up on his, under his hands, and he stood up from a kneeling position and, until he was standing, and then eventually he threw it off into space, and it floated off into space, okay? Now, it reminded me, the next thing that came into my mind was this um, association with the, one of the original Superman movies, like way back when. Okay, I don't even know if any of you have seen this, but surely you have, right? So one of the very original space uh, Superman movies, there were some bad guys, is what I remember, and they were sentenced 
to eternity being in between like these two panels of glass. You guys remember that? It just looked like a like they became two-dimensional images in between these two big pieces of glass, and they're in there like this. There are like three of them, I think, in there. And then that piece of glass just got hurled off into outer space, and they were just going to float around like that for eternity. So it was a, a type of prison. Okay, They were imprisoned in there, and they were the bad guys. Of course, Superman's good guy, right? Okay, so that was one vision. That was one of the visions. Then I saw a picture of an optic nerve. So it was an image, like if you've been to the eye doctor, and I can't remember the type of what they call that test, but you look in the little machine, and then you have to hold your eye open, and that bright light flashes, and they capture the picture. And if you've ever seen it, it's an orange, uh, not yet on that picture, sorry. That's jumping ahead. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. But if on the screen it was just a picture of this orangish, reddish kind of thing, and you can see all the little veins, and it shows the optic nerve. So the doctor can check out the health of the optic nerve. And so um, I saw I saw all of that, and I knew there was a focus on the main, you know, the main optic nerve that's attached to the center of the eye. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, "I'm tapping you in to the optic nerve of my own eye." And I have been, I was reminded then in that moment that I've been seeing eyes in the sky lately. V, you can put that picture up if you have the one in the sky. Um, I've been seeing eyes in the sky like all the time lately in really dramatic ways. I don't know if it'll translate in this one picture, but I mean just all the time um, in, in crazy ways. So then the image, the vision changed and I saw that the floor was attached to the optic nerve. The floor that had been hurled off in the outer space, right, had been attached, was attached to the optic nerve that was attached to the eye. Okay, so now you can put up the next picture. <laughs> so I found this picture in my searching it out, and it basically looked like that, where the nerve was connecting to the space in the back of the brain like that. The back of the brain there was the floor, okay? And I heard that the floor was now the throne room floor. So now we have a picture of an optic nerve attached to the throne room floor. Okay, next vision. I saw a picture of, I know it had to have been the Godhead, but it was just this image of a finger pointing to a place on a timeline. And it was like this ribbon of a timeline was, was playing out in front of them, and they, they just touched one spot on it, and the spot that they touched lit up, and then and the ribbon began to circle up. Instead of just going along horizontally, it circled up and made um, it sort of like it was wrapping around something, and it began to look like an orbit, like it was orbiting a planet, you might say. Okay, and that little light that where they had touched was now orbiting something. Okay, then I saw a picture of a woman's reproductive organs, a womb, a drawing. Okay, I was drawing of a womb. Thank you, Tessa, for having that word this morning, or not this morning, before service, <laughs> prior to now. 
And so I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying in that moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying there was a point in time that something was birthed and he was bringing emphasis to something where a point in time where something was birthed that was going to be obviously very significant if it's orbiting, right? Then next vision, I saw a double-decker bus like you would in London, the red double-decker bus. And then I saw a picture of an airstream flowing past the tail fin of a plane. Okay. And then finally, I saw these images of Jesus on the cross. Okay, just all these different angles and stuff of him being on the cross. So that's a lot of pieces, right? A lot of puzzle pieces. But I want to, so I decided in my little note sheet here, I just want to bring us back to the first part of the word. I, I had all my little notes, and so I went back up to the top of the notes where I, what I had seen, and I typed vision, right? Because this, these were my visions. And so I realized later that I said, at the end of the word I read already that your spirit is well aware of your heavenly home, your heavenly place beside my throne. Your spirit needs dot, 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 right? I stopped writing and now I've written vision. Your spirit needs vision. So I, I, um, like I said, I was in this kind of trance-like state for over an hour. I've never had an experience like that before. So I started searching out what all of these things might mean, just trying to find something, seeing what the Holy Spirit was saying about it. So I'm going to share a little bit. So back to the first one where the, the floor was spinning and this really strong man like Atlas lifted it up into a standing position, threw it off into space. And then remember, it reminded me of the Superman movie where there was this prison system floating off into space. Well, I think that the floor, of course, represents my foundation. It's what I'm standing on, right? And we've been talking about what truth we're standing on. And Tessa mentioned again in her word uh, about the foundation that we're standing on. So I think that's what the floor represented. And of course, spinning, that's what it feels like to me sometimes, that the floor I'm standing on is spinning and movement. There's movement in that. And so... The reference to Atlas, I looked up Atlas, and he was considered a god in Greek mythology. And he's the one you see in the pictures where he's holding the globe, right, on his shoulders. The weight of the world is on his shoulders. Well, I didn't know the story behind that, but in Greek mythology, it was actually something he was condemned to do. He was condemned to hold up the heavens or the sky for eternity, and because he had challenged these other gods and he had lost the war, basically, and that was his sentence, was to be condemned to hold up the heavens or the sky. And one thing I read says that the in mythology, he actually, this was such an unwanted sentence, okay, a position he would not want to be in, that he refused to do it and was sent to someplace like hell. Okay, so first this represents to me Atlas is, of course, a false god. The Greek mythology was something that was going on back in, back in the Bible days. You know, that was not in keeping with Christianity, of course. And so Atlas would represent a false god and a false god that's upholding the foundation that I'm standing on. And he was known for his philosophy, which makes me think about reasoning. So... We, I've talked about this before, 
but the idea that my own reasoning my own ability to understand things and to perceive things and process truth and maintain truths and all of that, that is what's upholding my foundation. That is a false God. It's a false God, and that is a sentence, something that this man in mythology was condemned to. That's a condemned position, not something that is exalted or blessed or anointed. And of course, he was getting rid of the weight he was throwing it off, like, like get this off of my shoulders. And it also then is associated with this imprisonment. These people were imprisoned throughout eternity, right? So I just want to propose, again, that this, this idea of us upholding our own foundational floor that we stand on will imprison us. It will send us off tangled up, flattened into a two-dimensional state, unable to move, unable to see, unable to think floating through space and time for all of eternity when we're actually supposed to be interacting with the God of all heaven and earth for eternity, not in a two-dimensional flattened state, right? So I think that, um, in fact, I want to go ahead and read this other part of my word from Saturday. I think it's so interesting. I didn't realize this until we got here today. But my Saturday morning started off with the Holy Spirit saying, daughter, your grip on this world is not with your mind. You are not held in this world, in this life, by what you perceive in your mind. You are not suspended in time by your ability to understand or perceive. I mean, I didn't even realize this went along with that. I haven't even read all this till just now, okay? today, again, with this in mind. You are not suspended in time by your ability to understand or perceive. Your thoughts are not your keeper, your definer, your protector, or provider. I have given you a mind capable of an incredible depth of perception, but it is still not your keeper. I gave humanity this gift for another reason entirely. You mistake its ability as the power that holds you. The reasoning of man has been exalted above the Godhead as if anything it perceives would even exist apart from me. Am I not the greater power? Is the one that creates not more powerful than the one that perceives? So then, the question remains, what holds you? What is it that holds you or has its grip on you? What is it that holds you here in this space and time, in this generation, at this appointed time? What would this great power be that determines the course of your fate? Oh, how you have underestimated its power and strength. He said, have you given thought to the power of my desire? Have you forgotten that it's my wish that commands the world you see? Have you forgotten? Have you underestimated the power of my desire? So let's take that word and now apply it back to this picture, right, of what's upholding our foundation, what's holding this spinning tilting, waving foundation that we stand upon.
Remember, this is not a word that gives you all the answers, right? Now, the other interesting thing is that the name Atlas, the man that's upholding this, is also a word that's used for a collection of maps, right? Maps, remember Tisa mentioned having a map that's unfolded. We're not supposed to just be folding it back and putting it back in our pocket. We're actually be meant to be looking at this map, following this map. And I want to propose that a map is also could be called a blueprint for how an area is laid out, right? A, a blueprint of the world, a blueprint of our kingdom possibly. So I just want to keep that in mind as we begin um, unwrapping what these different visions represented. And so as you know, then we began, then I saw the image of the optic nerve and the optic nerve was then attached to the floor, which was then, he told me, was the throne room floor. So I feel like the optic nerve, if obviously you probably get this, but the optic nerve takes the information that your eye takes in and it sends it back to that port on your brain. Vincent, if you can put that picture back up and just think of that point on the back of your, of the back of your brain that is your floor that you're standing on, is your foundation that you're living on. Okay, the optic nerve connects the eyeball to the back of the brain and it connects it to this area of the brain called the visual cortex. It transmits all visual information, including brightness perception, color perception, and contrast, which you could also call be called discernment contrast. The visual cortex is the primary cortical region of the brain that receives, integrates, and processes visual information relayed from the retinas. So I'm going to propose to you this spinning floor, okay, this floor that we're standing upon is the place that receives, integrates, and processes our visual information. Now, visual information is just one of our five senses, of course, and it, but it has obviously this um, points to our perception of what we are sensing. And ever since um, several months ago, I think Tisa preached about or men made mention at some point about Solomon's wisdom. And um, I think it's in Samuel where he asked for an understanding mind and a hearing heart. And so I had made that a personal prayer of mine every day for and I, I found myself wording it this way because I'm a feeler. I don't know if that's why, but all my senses are are kind of highlighted and it's hard to know what they all mean. You know, if you filter that through some the wrong thing, it can be very confusing. And so I began to pray that all of my senses would be filtered through the wisdom of God. And that's something I've been praying every day for a couple of months. And so I'm realizing now that that's the picture that I'm seeing. The floor that I'm standing on, okay, is that part of the back of the brain there. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm connecting you to my optic nerve, to my throne room floor, so that your senses are perceived through what is happening and existing on the throne room floor of heaven. Doesn't that sound like something we want, right? All five senses, every, every bit of discernment, I want to be filtered first and foremost through the throne room floor, the way God sees it. Okay, so the next vision, he's obviously speaking to us about 
tethering us. I love this word tethering. I think we've sung about it before. Don't we? Tether my heart, right? I think we've sung it. Yeah. Sounds familiar. Tethering. Tethering is something that really anchors you. You know, you're tethered by that optic nerve to that thresh throne room floor. So it doesn't matter if it's spinning or waving or tilting. You are tethered to it. I mean, when we get to heaven and we get to enter into the throne room, we don't care, right? We're not going to care if it's spinning. We're not going to care if it looks like that little girl in the teacup, you know, the Disneyland where we're like, you know, we don't, it's not going to bother us. We would never leave. We would never, ever, ever leave that. And he's saying he's connecting us to his vision, to his perception of what we are seeing, what we, what information we take in. And that, and, uh, of course, that would change all of our, our um, operation on the floor. I keep wanting to call it a dance floor, which is probably also prophetic. Yeah, that's a dance floor now. Okay, so the next point in time was this finger pointing on to a certain spot on the timeline of this ribbon of, um, that was running horizontally began to orbit. And so my first impression was that this was when Jesus came to the earth, when Jesus was born, because everything changed when Jesus came. Everything came. And, you know, God has been really emphasizing to me this shift between what we've done or what we can do and what he's doing or what, what he can do, what he's already done, what is done out of purely out of his power, what we are just in a position to receive. And I feel like he's pointing, I feel like this is what this, um, he's highlighting this to us for that reason of returning to an emphasis about like Lenny's message just a week or so ago about what the price of grace, the cost of grace, the weight of grace, what really happened on the cross, what happened, what really happened, what really changed when Jesus came, when he was born and he was he died and was resurrected. What really happened there? There was a pinpoint time where the Godhead is saying, this is something that should be orbiting your existence and should never leave your mind. It should never leave your perception. It should dramatically and directly affect everything about the foundation that you're seeing. In fact, I remember thinking that when I was looking at those pictures of the image of the eye, that there's a couple little you know, circles that you can see. And I noticed there was more than one. There's one that you can tell is obviously where the optic nerve connected. And then there's this other one. And I don't know what it is. I didn't look that far, okay, biologically. But I feel like that's what he's saying. That was this point in time that should always be in perspective, in our perspective, in our vision, is what G the life of Jesus actually did for us. What were the promises that God fulfilled to us when he decided to send Jesus? I mean, think about all of the years that went by for, for God-fearing, God-believing, God-loving people prior to Jesus. And we get to live in the time when Jesus was born, after he was born, and the price that he paid and what it gave to us. So I just know we, we've heard, I know, of course, tons of messages, but I feel like we're being called to really learning how to operate on a day-to-day -day basis with keeping that forever in our mind, that our perception is forever tied to that time point when the Godhead chose to just said, now's the time. Now's the time. 
You know, and that's another thing Kat Kerr talks about, that there is no time in heaven, but there's God's timeline, and he, he picks, he, the timeline is based on events, not the passage of time, wow. on right. events. And so he's pointing, the Godhead is pointing to an event and highlighting it to us for a reason. And so, and we'll come back to that in in a minute. So the next vision was this double-decker bus in London, right, that's red. And so a bus, um, I had a dream not too long ago about a bus, which, so I looked it up, I knew it represented ministry, and I knew that um, a two-story house can represent um, a double anointing in a ministry. And of course, the upper room, right, which has to do with um, intimacy with him and, of course, where his spirit fell in the upper room. And so I want to propose that he is highlighting this to us as a ministry of a, a double anointed, a doubly anointed ministry. Red represents wisdom, anointing, and power. So I want to propose that this is all tied together so that this switch in our foundation of our perception is being tapped in and tethered to the optic nerve of God, right, is for the purpose of a double anointing in wisdom, anointing, and power for this ministry, a double-decker ministry, okay? Now, I actually didn't even look this up at first, but I kept feeling prompted while I was in the green room to look up something about London because the you know it wouldn't really matter with what I've shared so far where this double bus where this double decker bus was but I just I knew they're in London so so I decided in the green room just the right before we came out here to look up the name meaning for London and it said London's name means from the great river from the great river So, of course, we all know in John 7, right? I have to read it from the Amplified. Now, on the last and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and called out in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, who adheres to, trusts in, and relies on me, in other words, not carrying the weight of the foundation of the world and not in your perceptions on your own shoulders, right? As the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow continually rivers of living water. Even cooler, though, is remember Ezekiel 47 and the message Tisa just brought us about the stream that flows under the threshold of the temple that gets deeper and deeper and deeper the further it goes out. Remember how it brought healing to the land all around, everywhere that it ran, and that the trees and the ground flourished everywhere that it touched. And it was all for the purpose of restoring the inheritance of the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay? The flow from the, the throne room, which our vision is now connected to, right? This is all referencing the great river, right? So we've got the stream flowing from under the temple threshold, healing and flourishing the land to, and because God is keeping his promise about what he said we would inherit. And that goes along with what I've been, what I've, he's been emphasizing for me about what he did. 
what he did, not what we did on our own, not the instruction he can give us that then we can be obedient with, but just what he purely did, what he purely does. So I feel like this is an invitation and an announcement and a prophetic declaration that's saying that this ministry can be a doubly anointed upper room ministry that is flowing with healing and a flourishing anointing that restores the promises to those who have an inheritance coming to them from God. This vision where our foundation is actually tied to the floor, the throne room floor, tied to and tethered to the optic nerve, we can have this ministry from the great river. Now, I just have to add this part, but this little nugget that I came across the other day that um, I don't know what it has to do with all this, but just think about maybe it'll impact you the way it did me. Okay, I was reading somewhere, somewhere in the scripture, and I was reading about the throne, I mean the um, temple, right? And so um, there's this, oh gosh, there's so much. I don't know if I can say all that right now. Okay, well, speaking along the lines of what changed when Jesus came, right? There's this, this thing I came across in studying out the temple that in the Old Testament, you know, the, the instructions for the tabernacle were very precisely given. They were very, very specific, and what was in the temple was very specific. And I mentioned it when I talked about this a week or so ago, that there were three items in the holy place that was outside of the Holy of Holies, right? And one of those was the altar of incense. But I, I mentioned it there that in the New Testament, that the altar of incense is referenced as being inside the Holy of Holies. But the Old Testament says it's in the holy place outside, right? And so I've been searching out a matter. I've been searching out, you know, what else I can find about all of that. And I think I feel like there's more to come on it. But the first thing the Holy Spirit told me about it was that the veil was torn. When Jesus came, died on the cross, was resurrected, the veil was torn, right? There was now no difference between the holy place and the holy of holies. But what also happened is Jesus was resurrected. He ascended to the right hand of God where he, God, where he intercedes for us. The altar of incense was symbolic of intercessory prayer. Okay, it was symbolic of the priest had to go and light the altar of incense twice a day and keep it burning at all times. But it was outside of where the Ark of the Covenant was, which is where the presence of God was. So it was symbolic in my mind of the people having to pray, but distant from God, set apart from God in order to be able to then enter the Holy of Holies once a year, right? It was part of the, the plan that people had with God to make things okay, right, before Jesus came. And so all of this, so that was just another emphasis to me. It was one of the first ones that he says, don't you know who's interceding for you? It's not as much about your own prayers as it is who, what Jesus is praying for you in heaven. And I don't have these scriptures pulled up, but there's another one that, you know, where the Holy Spirit is, is praying and, and declaring things and speaking things on our behalf, and Jesus is interceding for us. Shouldn't that impress us? Shouldn't that make a difference in how we operate? 
shouldn't that make a difference on whether or not we feel like we have to carry the weight of the whole world and of the foundation of our whole existence and our grip in this world? It should impact that, right? He, two-thirds of the Godhead are interceding for us and making prophetic declarations for us 24-7. I mean, talk about something on the timeline that should be orbiting our perception all the time. That's a huge one. The other thing that, that stuck out to me when I was studying that was that this whole thing, right, that they had the Israelites do and the people of God did back then with the, was, of course, prior to Jesus came, they had to make sacrifices, but it didn't ever cleanse them or absolve them of guilt. You know, it just postponed it a year. All, this, all those steps, like all those steps you can hardly read through when you're reading your Bible because it's too much to even read that they did 24-7 was just to postpone their guilt, their sentencing for guilt. They went through so many steps, had so many different things that they had to do that were demanded by the law that they were terrified to do, that they, they trained. I read somewhere that um, last night I read that there was something about 20,000 priests, I think, on in Jesus' time that would, so when... Um, Zechariah was, was chosen to go and light the incense in the holy place. It was probably a once-in-a-lifetime experience, right? Sidwo preached on this before. And so a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and yet 20,000 people were in training to uphold this law their whole life. And like Tisa mentioned the other, the other day, many of them, you weren't even operational until you were 30. Think that's a whole lot of lifetimes spent to just do something that postponed the sentencing for guilt and the punishment for guilt, right? But in, And of course, then I realized there were people that died during all of that time. And so I was reading about the um, paradise. Sorry to call it the promised land. It's a different P word. Paradise. God in his goodness for all of those people who lived prior to Jesus' time and Jesus' resurrection and reconciliation, God made a separate place for them and said he, he was not okay with any of his children being separated from him. Even, pri- even though they died guilty, they, got, they died with their sins still not cleansed. Right? He so prepares for us and has prepared us in the waiting. He made a place where they could, where people could, where they could commune. They weren't with him still, but they were still in paradise. It was still called paradise. They still didn't have the fear and the doubt and the torment and all of that. And they, he made a safe place for them to just wait in the waiting. And so that really spoke to me about the times, times when we are in waiting. And that's another thing that we should have in our orbiting, in our perception as we go through life or whatever season that we're in. And so when Jesus came, though, now we don't have to go to a holding place, no matter how paradise-like it was. We get to go immediately to the Father. We get to go immediately to the throne room and be in his presence. And so, again, I just say all that to say there is this focus that he is saying, shifting our focus to not just what we can do even in obedience to him or in yielding to him, but into just recognizing the power of what he's done. And I feel like that really goes along with what's happening on the earth right now. 
Because just like this, this concept of there being no time in heaven, which is hard for us to even wrap our minds around, right? Like, how, do, how does God decide when something happens? Like, I would say, well, I would probably say, well, we have to wait 30 years. Okay, wait 30 years. Then when the clock hits 30, then you touch the timeline. But it's an event-based thing for him. So it's just because he chose to. He chose to. And so there's something happening on the earth right now that he chose to do, that he chose, just like he said, Jesus comes now and everything changes. There's, he's doing that now too. And I feel like he could be doing that in just this moment for us as a tribe, as a ministry. He's saying, right now something is changing. Right now I'm connecting you to the vision uh, from the throne room vision to the very optic nerve. So you don't have a chance to even get it mixed up and confused, but you actually have all of your perception comes through the throne room. And with that is released a double anointing of wisdom and power. Now, I'm just going to jump back into my visions here, but my next vision was an airstream flowing past the tail fin of a plane, okay? Plane is also symbolic of a prophetic ministry, going to heights in the spirit, new and higher understanding. So that sounds fitting. I say yes to that, right? Okay, so I started looking up. I was like, where do you even start with that? Well, a tail fin. I don't, I don't know a lot about planes or how they fly. I don't really never known much about that, so I do a little studying. And I first found that the tail fin, you guys can all picture what the tail fin is, right? The tail fin provides vertical stability. Vertical stability. Now, I discovered that there are three axes in a plane that are different than in a car or a boat, okay? So you've got the, I don't even know if I can demonstrate this, but you've got an axis, the vertical axis is obviously going from up and down, right? And you've got the horizontal axis, but then you also have an axis through the center of the plane, so it can roll on an axis like this, okay? And it can also tilt this way and tilt this way, and it can spin, I can't make my hand do that. And then, <laughs> And then it can also rotate on a vertical axis this way, right? Sounds a lot like a spinning, waving floor to me, right? Tilting floor. So the vertical stability, though, obviously this is a reference to me of our stability in him. Our vertical, right? Our vertical, the vertical axis is what we're paying attention to, and that's what the tail fin does is it provides vertical stability. So the vertical tail of an aircraft typically consists of a vertical stabilizer on which a fin or a rudder is mounted. So you can kind of picture a rudder that would help determine whether or not you turned this way or this way, right? So together, their role, listen to this. This is just amazing. Just listen. I have to read it like I read it, okay? Just listen to this. Their role, okay? So the vertical tail with the fin, their role is to enable trim in the yaw direction. Enable the aircraft to be controlled in yaw, as well as provide stability in yaw. I have never heard of that. Have you, I mean, 
I was stunned. In fact, I have to admit I was reading about it for a good 10, 15 minutes before it clicked. Okay. Yah. Yah. Yah is the is a uh, is the term used, it's a verb for oscillating about a vertical axis. Okay? So when the plane, the vertical axis stays the same, you turn this way, you turn that way, that is called yaw. Yaw. Y-A-W. Now, I don't, we've been talking about Yahweh, I don't know if you've heard, but we've been talking about Yahweh. And yaw, we've talked about is the inhale, right? And way is the exhale. We also came across recently about how um, and there was a footnote Brian Simmons put in saying that there are two Hebrew verbs with the phrases let there be and there was that are associated with the name Yahweh. There was Yehi, which is let there be, and Wehi, which is there was. I'm not sure how all this goes together again, but it all of these details, but it sure does go. I know that much. So the airstream flowing past the tail fin of a plane enables trim in the yaw direction, enables the aircraft to be controlled in yaw, and then provides stability in yaw. So aside from what that means in the natural, I want to tell you what I think it means um, prophetically. Now, I had to look up this word trim. And I, I just assumed that it meant um, turning, okay? Turning in, the, in a certain direction because it enables trim in the yaw direction. Now, if I understand this correctly, basically, you know, there's all these different components of the plane. There's the flaps and the, I don't know, the, all the parts, right, that make a difference of how the aircraft hand, is handled in the air, what position it's in. So rather than the pilot having to say, I want this rudder to be held over here, okay, so just picture them using a, a, a lever in the plane. I want this one over here. Right, so I'm gonna hold that with my elbow, and I want this other flap to turn this way, so I'm gonna hold that with my foot, right? Instead of having to do that, there's a thing called trim, where you can actually set it and say, I want this rudder to stay in this position. And you can set the trim, and then you can go back to doing whatever else you're doing. Otherwise, you would have to actually use, I don't think I copied it down here, but you would actually have to use, the pilot would have to use their own strength to hold the fin or the rudder in the position needed if it weren't for trim. And so the tail fin enables trim in the yaw direction. Enables trim in the yaw direction. So to me, that is saying that this, the, the tail fin, right, enables us to, enables the trim to us, for us to be held in whatever direction he's wanting us to turn on this vertical, his access, right? It without our effort, without us having to hold up the weight of the world and the weight of our floor, dance floor, right? So we're going to call it that, right? We don't have to hold up the dance floor because he's doing the holding. It enables trim in the yaw direction. It also enables the aircraft to be controlled in yaw. So I think that speaks to us being in a position of being yielded. Okay. So the tail fin enables us to be in a position to be controlled in whatever direction Yahweh is having us turn. And then, of course, it provides stability in yaw. 
So the tail fin provides stability in him, which is something that we get into a lot of striving on, of trying to hold, self-manage, and keep ourselves held in just the right way so that we stay in him, right? We stay centered in him. We're not going off course on our own. We're not trying to prevent pride, or we're not trying to prevent, you know, being under-responsible or prevent this or prevent this and hold ourselves just right. So the tail fin, I mean, enables trim in the yaw direction, enables the aircraft to be controlled in yaw and provides stability in yaw. So I had to ask myself, well, what is the tail fin then, right? What's the tail fin for us in this message? And I, I'm not positive I know the answer, but I feel like it has to do with what we've already touched on because the last vision was Jesus on the cross. And so I was in, my, in this vision while I was seeing him on the cross, I was asking, why, why am I seeing him on the cross? And I was reminded about the difference between um, the Protestant religions and Catholicism because, you know, Catholics have Jesus on the cross still. It's a, it's a crucifix. And in the Protestant religion, you won't see a Protestant normally having a, a cross in their house with Jesus on it. And I didn't know for a long time why that was, but it is because in the Protestant religion, we believe Jesus is no longer dead. He's not on the cross. He's resurrected, right? He's seated in heavenly places, interceding for us. And so I felt initially as if this was an... Um, pointing to something to do with our perception of Jesus still being on the cross rather than being resurrected, okay? And that, that speaks to a couple of things to me. Either we think he still hasn't paid the cost for us in whatever we're waiting on or whatever we need, or and in, in along those lines that we're waiting for him to do more. Like, stay on the cross a little longer, Jesus, because I'm not healed yet. Stay on the cross a little longer because this, this situation isn't quite right. And I, I feel like this is speaking to our tail fin somehow in this message, whatever we're going to call this, right? This is speaking to our tail fin about how we view our view of Jesus. And then the other thing that it made me think of with Jesus still being on the cross was viewing his operation in us. So we know we've talked about, we've had some words in here lately about Jesus standing up in us, right? So when he stands up in you and you, you see how he operates in you, is he still on the cross in your operating and how you see him in operation in your life? Is he pre-resurrection in the way he operates in you, in the way you operate, in the way you perceive? Because if his life, if he's still on the cross, then he's still defeated. On the cross, and as Tisa read from my other word, you know, that he's, he was, com mankind was complete, the man of Jesus was completely defeated in death on the cross. So if we still have Jesus on the cross in our perceptions, in our thinking in any way, then, then we're off, right? We're not viewing that pinpoint time when the Godhead said, bam, right here, and there was a light that was sent to the world to orbit the world, and orbit, orb, orbit, orbit, <laughs> our existence and our minds and our perceptions for all of eternity, right? 
And so I feel like, and I want everybody to search this out for themselves and to really dive into this and try to see what your personal message is. But I feel like it has something to do with us still seeing Jesus on the cross. And, and it may not be exactly how I mentioned, but I feel like we, he is calling us to see the true power of Jesus resurrected, interceding for us. And, and what that was, it was the fulfillment of the promise so that we would receive the healed and flourishing inheritance like Tisa talked about in Ezekiel 40, 47. It says in there, and Tisa talked about it, how this river was released under the threshold and as it went along, it healed the land that was already destined to be an inheritance for the 12 tribes of Israel, right? So in other words, God didn't promise something and then by the time it got to them, it was tarnished and it was damaged. And it was, you know, a fraction of what it used to be and it had no value anymore. So I feel like this, this is, is symbolic of that, that if we are still seeing Jesus on the cross in some, some aspect, then we are not seeing that he's already released the river, you know, the great river, and, and, that, and that our inheritance is actually healed and able to flourish right now. And I think that has to do with the tail fin. To me, it's the tail fin because the tail fin, again, is what enables the trim in the yaw direction, enables the aircraft to be controlled by yaw and provides stability in yaw. So I know I'm going to be pressing into more of how I see what really was accomplished on the cross. And I think, you know, to answer the question, and, and I, I just know God's timing is... You know, it's not accidental. It's not a coincidence that that Lenny preached a message about the weight of grace and what happened on the cross and what it really afforded us. It's not a coincidence that Tisa preached a message on Ezekiel 47 and on this river. None of this is a coincidence. It's all timely and for a reason. And I feel like when in that that question that he posed to us on Saturday, which was, who do you think is holding you? what is holding you okay if it's not if it's not the strong man the atlas if it's not you that's holding up your floor who's holding you who's holding you together what is it that holds you and has its grip on you what is it that holds you here in this space and time in this generation at this appointed time what would this great power be that determines the course of your fate how you have underestimated its power and strength and i knew the answer there was very simply, but misunderstood by us, that it's love. It's love. It is what Jesus did on the cross for us. It is what the, the birth and the death and the, the resurrection of Jesus afforded us. Is It's that is our tail fin, right? That's why in this picture he was pointing to a specific point in time. That's what holds us. If we could understand that the enormity, if we could grasp really what is grasping us? The God had chose. He just chose it. He just said, bam, right there, Jesus comes. And he did the same thing for you when you, when you were sent here, when you were born. And it was, wasn't an accident. And it was all pre-planned, just like he provided for the people who died prior to Jesus ever coming. And he created a paradise for them in waiting, just like Jesus is now interceding for us, that the veil has been torn. There's no separation any longer. So much has been done for us. We are fools to think that it really is on our shoulders. You know, we're just tripped up. 
We're just, we're just so tripped up to think that it is so about us and so reliant on our function, our performance, our ability, our positioning, our thoughts, and all of that. And so we're being invited and called into a greater anointing, a double anointing. Doesn't that sound wonderful? And so, Papa, I just want to thank you today. And I know Tisa's going to come up and, and close us out and share what's on her heart about all of this too. And there's more to come. So we just thank you. Thank you in advance for the more to come. Thank you in advance for the more to come. But we thank you, Papa, for what you've already done. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that this truth is is already our foundation, whether we understand it in our natural minds or not right now, whether we understand it in its fullness or not right now, it is our foundation. I thank you for releasing this as a truth that is a prophetic truth, that is a prophetic declaration of a truth that we can just choose to agree with, that our perceptions are tied to the throne room of heaven, that we are tapped in and tethered to the optic nerve of God himself, and that we can leave this place going out today different than when we came in and that we can step into a greater understanding a greater uh, just a greater walk a greater everything okay just a greater everything so I thank you Holy Spirit I thank you for your wisdom your power your strength I thank you for upholding me and for all these words that you have spoken all these these puzzle pieces that you have given us I thank you for the joy of the process and the process that is still ongoing and so I bless this word tonight I bless the heart of the hearer I bless the mind of the hearer, and we ask you, we ask you to do what you did for Solomon for us, but give us an understanding mind and a hearing heart, and 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 bless us with His wisdom in our perception in every way, all five senses, all five senses. We say today we are tethered to the throne room floor in your perception. So we thank you for this word. We love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. talk more about this on Sunday but I whenever Cece was she was just starting to share part of it with me today you know she's an odd little duck because she doesn't even really know she doesn't even feel like that that was anything prior I don't know how she feels right now but prior to her saying it like even when we walked in to church tonight she was <laughs> trying to tell me it wasn't anything um but it's something. But um, if I told her when she just started, she just started telling me that she'd had this trance thing today. It never happened to her before. And I've, I heard the Holy Spirit say that that God was giving her an architectural blueprint for the watchman. And so I wanted, I wanted to give you a, I want to talk more about it, but I want to give you a quick demo about it. So today... Tess and Judy were working at our house, actually on Tracy and Cece's bathroom, and so it's right outside her bedroom. And so while she's in there having this experience, Tess and Judy are outside having a horrific day where nothing worked out. And 
the Holy Spirit told me that that's the true watchman. Does anyone understand what I'm saying? Four people. That's what we've got to learn in this season. What I just said, you've got to learn that. Because see, no matter what, wherever you're the watchman, I said it when I first started this series. Do you remember what I said? What I say? That the enemy should never get to the temple builder. And see, I don't know what you think that looks like, but in practical life, it looks like you're going, nothing's going to work for you, but everything's going to work for her. And see, you may not want to do that. You know, there's somebody, there's a guy in this room, and he keeps picking up on stuff that I'm going to be talking about, but he can't, he don't get it yet. I don't have time to teach him, but he don't get it yet. But he is actually a watchman. That proves he's a watchman for me. But I don't have time. Do you understand? Because... And so we have to understand how everything, as she said tonight, is a blueprint of how it works in the kingdom. And it just depends on if you want to receive that and actually, I mean, some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about right now, but those that do, this is what your life's about. And someone's doing that for you. It may have been Tessa and Shudi for Cece today, but somebody's doing that for Tessa, for her to write that word tonight. Somebody's doing it for Lenny, for her to be able to preach that word on grace. Somebody's doing it for Aubrey, for her to be able to paint that thing. It's just happening, and that's really the way the kingdom, there's no needs among us. But see, we get so, see, they got, I don't know, Shudi, I would give her probably a D minus today, but, <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, like if she can ever put this piece together, you know, somebody's doing that for her on days. Does anybody, is anybody following me at all? And so just think about, I was, I have so much to go with what she was saying, but I today, while that was happening, while she's having that vision, I this there's this person, I don't know anything about her, her name is Candace Owens, and I don't even know how I just stumbled upon her and I she married a British guy and they only dated for eight months and he's a multimillionaire. And he was saying that Everything, this is his story. He said, when I met her, the Lord told me in that moment, you're going to marry her. And he said on this interview, I wasn't even living for God. He said, I didn't even really know God. You know what that told me? You don't have to know God to hear for God to speak to you. And that, when she said it's about events, it is about events. And if we don't get that, we're going to be so messed up when we have a bad day. We're going to forget who we're the watchman for. And we're, we're going to forget what they're doing. Just think how that could look if there were no needs among us. I know y'all thought that was financial. It doesn't have anything to do with the pre prayer. And listen, this year, God has given me physically a portion of my inheritance physical inheritance Pam prayed that my inheritance wouldn't get stolen 
So listen, so listen. That's what that word of Ezekiel was about. It's, it's, he is restoring to you this, the, your land, your inheritance got all crapped out. And he actually had to send this wave of his river to restore it to then, because it says in Ezekiel, so I would be a man of my word, basically. So I would, so my promise would be fulfilled. And so if you understand that about your life, then you'll let him do what she was talking about with the trim, with the rudder, with the trim. It makes so much, everything about everything she just said makes so much sense to me. Does it make sense to anybody else in here? So let's stand up and let's just thank Papa because he just invited us. Remember I said that this watchman word was about something in 2023. And right now I think you begin, need to begin to claim your personal inheritance. And you need to say that that water is rushing into the places that have been totally desolate. And he's restoring that with the water of this word tonight. And he's restoring. There's so much here. We're going to go over more and more and more. But listen, it's so important to realize that there's a war going on just to let her deliver that word. And that God has chosen other people in this room that need watchmen so they can actually fulfill their calling as well. And so let's just pray right now over your own life that you would wake up, that the awareness of who you are, the awareness of what you stand watch over is really important to Papa. And he delivered this word a dozen. Double portion anointing. I speak it right now. Listen, even husbands and wives right now, he was telling me while she was preaching that husbands and wives, you have a double portion anointing that you actually have something that each person carries. And if you would combine your anointings together, that he said that he would pour out such an, such an anointing of change just from your lives. And it doesn't even mean you have to understand it. You just need to combine your anointings together. Even people who God has planted in houses right now, God says that he's put these homes together for a reason. There's a double portion anointing available, but it all it will come down to whether you will quit being independent. You are not going to flow in anointing. Remember what I said the other day, that where two or three are gathered in my name in agreement, you can ask anything. You have the agreement. The forging of the agreement is what rakes off all the independence. And in that moment, then on the other side of that, you can ask anything. But listen, if you're infighting or you're, if you're, if you're independent and you won't come together, you can't ask anything. Listen, I really am telling you, I feel like he says that your prayers aren't even going to be answered. So come on, we can do this, right? So right now we unify, right, in our own homes. We break the spirit of distraction, of disunity. And remember, some of the things you're experiencing in your own house, just like what I was saying about them today, nothing went well for them. They got nothing done hardly today. Nothing went well, but that was going on in the other room right beside it. And that's what we have to remember. So, Papa, just release your power of understanding right now. I just thank you for Cece. I thank you that you use her as an oracle of Papa's voice. And I thank you that you've planted her in this house. We are blessed, 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 blessed. So we just honor her and we just thank you for her. And I just surround her right now with your protection. 
I just pray right now that you just protect every word that's coming down from your throne and nothing will keep it from entering into her heart and mind and her keyboard. So I just bless her right now. Come on, let's just bless her right now. Papa, I just bless her right now. Papa, I just strengthen her right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. I just say more Holy Spirit, more Holy Spirit. May the breath of God be blown upon her entire physical man right now and restore her right now. Papa, I speak restoration. I speak restoration over her. I speak restoration over her. Restoration right now in the name of Jesus. Papa, I just thank you for this next season of ease. This next season of ease in the name of Jesus. Whoo! Hmm. I just really invite y'all to just begin to pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to show you more of your role as a watchman. I feel like it's so vital to this next season that we're in our places. Mm. Come on, let's just pray in the spirit for a minute. I just speak that double portion anointing right now. I just I just feel like God wants you to just ask even yourself, especially if you're married or especially if you're in a house, what's keeping you from wanting to unify? Let's just ask him that question. I feel like he really wants to reveal that it's just the enemy tactic that he actually planted you. Remember what she said, it's about events. He just said it, and this that's why you are where you are right now. So I just release that understanding so we can break off that independence right now. I really believe that he's just showing me that y'all just thought it was going to look a different way, and so you're waiting for that other way that you thought it was going to look like to come about, and then you're going to be good. But he said, no, I this is going to be this way. This is the way I decided and when we yield to that, we say yes to that, then it breaks the enemy's ability to keep that confusion going on. I just feel like there's several people in here that are just waiting for another event to go by so that you can join up with what he wants to do. And it's right now where you're at. You're planted there for a reason. You receive that? So, Papa, we repent for trying to wait for some other time for it to look some other way. But we just receive right now this anointing of seeing it clearly for how you are a planter. You're an orchestrator. You're an intersector. You did it on purpose. You do all those things on purpose. <laughs> it's good. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life Okay. 
For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay